it, it was such a wonderful moment to be in. There was nothing else that you could add or take away from it. It was complete. Uh, we had won the Super Bowl. That was a tremendous feeling. Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, your host of the Beyond Speaking podcast. And today we have on Super Bowl champion, Hall of Famer and former NFL head coach, Mike Singletary. Mike, thanks so much for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. So, you know, this week uh, when we're releasing the podcast is Super Bowl week. What is the week like leading up to the Super Bowl? Well, uh, the week leading up to the Super Bowl is uh, it's an interesting week because there's so many uh, different thoughts and, and feelings uh, that, that you have um, upon arriving. There's so many things that could have went wrong, and um, but they went right. And somehow you, you work through the, the peaks and valleys, and, and uh, it all worked out. You know, it, it normally... When you think about uh, Super Bowl week, is you just you go back to all the work that you put into it, uh, training camp and off season, um, and being able to get together with your guys. And uh, every team has a moment that they came together and and something happened, something clicked that made you realize that you know what we're going to the Super Bowl. We we are that team. Um, I don't know who the other team is, but but I know we are the one from this side. We're going. Right after that moment, is that when you decided to record the Super Bowl shuffle? <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, actually, the Super Bowl shuffle may have been the dumbest thing that any, any team has ever done. Um, we, we made the Super Bowl shuffle after we lost the game. I only lost that year to Miami. Yeah. Um, and it was... Really, it propelled us out of a a disappointing moment. It propelled us out of a, uh, I mean, we were upset, you know, that we lost, you know, national television. How could that happen? And um, so the very next day, we we go to the studio. And um, by time we're done making the video, we're laughing and, and, uh, belly busting and chest popping and it, it was a great moment and we knew coming out of that making that video that we had some unfinished business and and we it got us back on track um the other thing is we realized that you know we've got about six or seven games left and we can't lose so uh it really made us focus on what was important uh, the goal at hand and um we pressed through now, I, I, I mean, that was one of the more, uh, you know, amazing runs and amazing Super Bowls in history. What is your, what is your favorite memory from that? So, for those listening, obviously, you know, the, I think the Patriots got out to a, like a field goal lead, and then, and then you guys just took over. What is your, what's your favorite uh, memory from the Super Bowl? Uh, first of all, it was uh, the night before. It's, it's kind of like. Um, the night before Christmas, where you're anticipating what your gifts are going to be the next day. And um, you can't wait to open your present. You, you can't wait. You, you know what you wish for. Um, you know what you hope for. And, man, you just cannot sleep 
that night. Um, so the night before you you're going to you're going to bed thinking about what's going to happen the next day, the play that you're going to make. You can't wait to make that play. Um, and of course, um, the second moment. Uh, so first is the anticipation. The second moment is right after the Super Bowl when you knew you had won the game. And, um, you know, you got the confetti, you, you got um, uh, laughter. It, it was such a wonderful moment to be in. Um, there was nothing else that you could add or take away from it. It was complete. Uh, we had won the Super Bowl. That was a tremendous feeling of accomplishment. Who was the most unique person on that team? Like, you have so many people like any of them could have these amazing stories. You know, you've got a quarterback who won't wear big shoulder pads to make his arms look small. You know, you've got, uh, you know, the, maybe the greatest running back in history. You've got the refrigerator Perry. Um, you know, you've got, uh, you've got you who had that, that, that stare that could scare people to death. What, what, who was the most uh, unique person on that team? I would say the most unique person was uh, Walter Payton. Um, absolutely one of the most intriguing individuals ever. <clears throat> he could be so funny. I mean, he could be, um, the prankster laughing, having everybody else laugh. And at the same time, he could be so serious. Um, you, you, you almost so serious. You, you just did not want to be around him because <laughs> don't, don't walk too heavy don't 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 make noise don't just be quiet because he's focused and um you know at the same time um very very um uh, just amazing as an athlete uh to watch him uh, he was one of the the only uh football players particularly running backs that that I really enjoyed just watching run the ball some of the things he could do, um, it was like magic. Um, his work ethic was tremendous. Um, you know, some days we worked so hard that, you know, I, I couldn't even move. And yet he'd take off and start doing 100-yard sprints. I'm like, wait a minute. You got to be kidding me. Um, so he was all of that mixed in one person. Um but uh, the most unique individual that I've ever met. Now, leading up to this interview, um, I put out, you know, I'm interviewing Mike Singletary uh, for the Beyond Speaking podcast, and and our listeners came through. Normally, I have to prepare for an interview, and this one I really didn't have to do too much uh, just because we had so many great questions. So um, so the first question from one of our listeners, uh, so Sue with uh, Swedish American Health Systems, what would you go back and tell your younger self to do differently to be more successful? I would go back and, and tell my younger self, breathe, enjoy the moment. Um, just, just take it in. Um, it happened. You, you help bring it to pass. Enjoy this moment. And I, I remember thinking after the Super Bowl, you know what? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we won this. This is just the first one. You know, there's going to be many more coming after this. So um, I did not go back to Chicago. My, my wife and I went straight to Hawaii for the Pro Bowl and uh, all of the festivities and all of those things I missed. And, and 
you know, uh, allowing myself to see the, the people in the city uh, be so proud of the Super Bowl and what have you. I really felt we're going to do this again. And I didn't want to get caught up in the moment. I didn't want to enjoy it so much because I wanted to um, get ready to do it again. And uh, that was my thought process. Um, so that's the advice that I would give my younger self. Enjoy each moment because you just never know uh, when the next one will come. Um, so, so just stay in the moment. All right. And so next question here, um, and this comes from uh, George Lucas, different George Lucas. Um, but um, what, is some, what is one trait that you feel uh, players or people are missing today that uh, negatively impacts their success? The feeling that th- this is something, you know, I, I get to do this. This isn't something that that um, is ordinary. This is not something that um, you know I I have to do. It's not something that you know. Uh, it's something that I really get to do. It's it's something that um, I guess the feeling that I'm 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 not entitled to. It, it, it's just not something to take for granted. This is really really special to be able to have a talent, to be able to have been entrusted with a talent that I can share with the world and, and to be able to take it and hone it and, and make it something really, really beautiful. And, and to be able to share with the world is something that that's really, really special. And, and it's not just something that, that I should take for granted. And, And I think, um, I think a lot of times um, today's players or generation, we don't realize that that what we have, even though it's a great talent, we can take it to another level and and just share it because it, it is a gift to be shared and enjoyed by others. So from Chris with Blue Book Services, um, and obviously football is one of those is sports that um, is, is extremely demanding from a physical and mental standpoint. How do you handle a hostile and confrontational situation? I think, um, you know, it, it, that's a tricky question. It really is. And you say, well, what's, what's tricky about it? Well, what's tricky about it is you know, how do you handle a hostile situation? Um, in football, you don't really prepare yourself for a hostile situation. It's, com- it's competition. And uh, th- this person that I'm playing against, uh, I'm going out there to compete. And and um, nine times out of ten, I know of them. And it's kind of like, hey, we, we I, I've seen you play. I'm familiar with you. I watch you on film. And it's almost like I almost know you. Um, so I'm out there trying to earn my respect. So when something happens that, it becomes hostile and it, it becomes something more than the game. Most of us have not prepared ourselves for that moment. So it only happens once in a while. I can think of maybe two or three situations in my career when it got to be a hostile situation. And most of the time I was not prepared for it because it comes out of nowhere. And so as, as a football player, you, you're just not, you're just not ready. So um, after you see someone in a hostile situation, it makes you think, man, I, um, I, I really need to, to make sure that, uh, I prepare myself for this. 
because at 20 something years old, I'm, I'm not thinking that, that I'm going to, I'm going to really come up on anything like that. Nothing like that is going to happen to me where it's hostile. It takes me out of my element. It takes me out of the zone. Um, so I, I just think that it's something that you have to think about whenever you have the luxury or um, um, uh, you maybe you've seen a situation where someone you know that they went further than they should have gone. Uh, they did something that, that was just outside of who they were um, that we all have to take into account because no matter how hostile it is, we always have to come back to I am responsible for my actions. So when I've seen it, when I've seen someone take it further than they should, uh, then I have to take a take a step back and say, you know what, I got to prepare myself for that. Anytime something happens like that, I just need to be big enough and smart enough and wise enough to walk away uh, because somebody's watching me that really, really holds me in high esteem. And in any moment, that could be lost. Um, and at the same time, there's, there's always uh, my, my mom, a dad, a sister, a brother, a friend that's watching me. And I always want them to be proud of who I am and where I came from. So I, I have to make sure that um, I prepare myself for that. Just walk away. Yeah, it's absolutely. I like. I, I love that response. It's not just you; it's all the people watching you. So that's uh, that that you're an influence on. So that that's a great leadership uh, takeaway from 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 how to handle a hostile situation. Uh, so next question is from uh, Ruth Marquez. Uh, uh, what and this is this is one of the most horribly difficult questions that I ever am asked to ask people. What do you consider your greatest achievement in life so far? I think. I think my greatest achievement in life so far is, first of all, being a husband and then being a father, being someone that when I look at my wife, when I look into her eyes, I, I know that she reflects the love that I have for her. And to see my kids sitting down, talking and having fun, enjoying each other and me wanting to be around them, loving being around them and having them be my friends and my wife be my best friend, that that's my greatest accomplishment in life. Uh, this question is from uh, James McGinnis, who's with uh, uh, the U.S. Marine Corps in Germany. What's different about younger people coming up today is, a, you know, as you're a person who's a coach and a leader, uh, what's better about them today? What's worse? And how should we approach it as leaders? I think um, one of the things that's better about uh, young people today is the amount of exposure that they have. I mean, at, at, at any moment, if there's something that they don't know, uh, they can be exposed to. Uh, if there's a question that they need to have answered, they can find it out quickly or Google it. Um, there's just not much today that kids don't have the exposure to have. If there's something you want to know about someone, just click it and, and wow, there it is. Um, the downside to that is, you know, as, as a young boy growing up, I, I remember, um, you know, my mom telling me, believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. And, and so if it's so easy for me to get this information, sometimes the information is wrong. I don't care how real it looks. I don't care how um, great it sounds. It's somebody else's opinion, nine times out of 10. 
And so it's their experience. And so what I do is I rob myself. I take someone else's experience. It could be right or wrong. So I take it as truth in my life, and I stand on it, but it's a false truth. It's a false truth. And, and so it it it, uh, it makes me lazy. You know, our, our younger people today sometimes can get lazy because this is what they heard, and they believe it is truth when it's somebody else's truth. And as as a young person growing up today, I got to find my own truth. I got to be able to stand up on my own two feet, on my own truth, and, and say that this is something that I have done. This is something that, that I discovered. This is something that I went through. So this is how I feel, and this is how I'm going to see it, rather than taking it as truth with somebody else most of the time. And it makes us lazy, and, and therefore it robs us of life. So we have to be very careful to make sure that we know why you know, it's, it's, it's one thing to live this life and and go through it uh, based on somebody else's truth and not know why myself. So uh, this kind of follows on with that. This this next question is from Jeff with Disney. Uh, but did you ever get tired of being famous? And how do you manage being famous? I think it's, you know, uh, being famous is, is um, it's also... Um, it's a gift. You know, I, I didn't have to have this gift. Somebody else could have had it. So I, have, first of all, have to make sure that I have the right perspective. Who am I? Somebody else comes up and asks for my autograph, you know, who am I to say, no, you know, no, I'm, I'm not giving you an autograph. No. But, you know, it's like you don't know what that would do for their lives. Or you don't know how it would change their lives. And so for me, it's finding that balance. If if a person that has exposure, a person that is famous, a person that has that gift or whatever, um, if you don't want to be bothered, if if you don't want, then don't go outside. You know, don't don't put yourself in that situation. Don't you know because you have something very special, and people want to share that, and they want to be a part of that, and you have no idea what it would do for them. If you said yes, so you have to find a way to respectfully say, you know what? And for for me and my family, it's like if if I'm out and I'm out and about and somebody asks me for an autograph, okay, fine. Yes. Hey, thank you for being a fan. Now, if there's times when I'm with my family or whatever, and that's a family time, then I need to find a way to say, you know what, this is our family time and hope that people will respect it. And and I just have to find those times and places where I I, I am um <laughs> I, I am a part of society and, and people expect me to to be nice and they expect me to sign an autograph and they expect me to say hello. And I believe that's my duty as a person with a gift. But at the same time, I have to make sure that I find that balance and be able to uh, make sure that I have a life and make sure that I can say no uh, for the right reasons and and move forward. So this next question is kind of a combination from a few different people, but um, uh, this is from uh, General Vinnie Bowles, who I don't I don't know if you know him, but he he gets interviewed by Paul Feinbaum and ESPN every year before the Army Navy game, but. But his question um, is, what lessons did you learn as head coach 
of the 49ers and what is the difference in leadership between being a player and a coach? What did I learn as head coach of the 49ers? I think that um, the thing I learned as head coach of the 49ers is how important timing is, how important timing is. Um, I became a head coach at, at a time when um, I really felt that, that I was ready for that. And I wasn't. And when the timing is not right, it um, you know you you're gonna do some things. You, you're gonna put yourself in 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 harm's way at times um, when the timing is not right. The the um, the effort, the focus, um, the what I meant, all of those things were in place. What I what I felt I could do, what I wanted to do, but the preparation. My, my preparation um, was not quite complete. And so um, that's, that's one of those things that, um, you know, you, it was a gift. So uh, you come out of that and you go, you know what, I, I, I understand now. I, I know now what I have to do to do it differently. And, and so the other question that you asked was about, um, uh, what's the difference in leadership as a player and a coach? As a player, it's so much easier to be a leader because you you are with them. You are in the battle with them. You're all in the hole together. You're all in the foxhole together. And and you can say, guys, we stink. We 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 are not playing the way we should play. We look horrible. We're getting our tails kicked. You can say that. And everybody's looking at you because you're with them in the battles. And so it's kind of like, yeah, you're right. Okay, what are we going to do to get this better? Well, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. Now, when you're a coach and you say, guys, we stink. You know, we are getting our tails kicked. Um, it's very, it's a very thin line on how you have to communicate that. Because now you're not in that foxhole. You're not out there getting your tail kicked. You're on the sideline. And now it's a, it's a different perspective. Now they look at it as, so you're saying we stink, but you don't. And so it's us. It creates an us versus you. And, and there's a separation sometimes. And so being a leader as a coach requires a lot more. Um, uh, you got to have the tools to be able to convey things so that it ends up as if you're in the hole with them saying we and not you versus me. That's the biggest difference. Which is more important to a team's success, having strong leaders in the trenches or having strong leaders up top? Oh, there's no doubt. If you got leaders in the trenches, the leaders at the top would do just fine. <laughs> um, if you got leaders in the trenches are saying, hey, I don't care about him up there. We are going to get this done down here. Trust me. Big brother say you're going to get this done. You're going to get this done. It is a gift to have those guys, those leaders in the trenches. You don't know how much they're valued. Uh, leaders in the trenches can overcome um, coaches that, that are not quite there yet. Who, who are the best people that you played with as, as far as leaders in the trenches and why? Um, I would say leaders in the trenches that, that I know, um, Ronnie Lott would be one. He comes to mind. Hmm. Uh, Ronnie is a warrior. Um, and Ronnie not only talked about it, he did it. Walter Payton, 
Walter didn't say a whole lot, but when he said something, let me tell you something. You were going to do everything you could to make that come true. Um, but, you know, tremendous, tremendous leadership coming from those guys. Dan Hampton. Uh, Dan Hampton was uh, men amongst boys. Um, when he said something, Dan, Dan could not only, you know, back it up, but uh, Dan was was uh, something very special uh, as a leader. Um, when I started coaching, a guy like Ray Lewis. Um, Ray Lewis was a tremendous leader. Um, really uh, respected his ability to to lead. Um, and so, you know, those are guys that, when I think of them, you know, they come to mind um, that, when they said something, you really tried to do everything you could to make it become a reality. So next question from John in Michigan. You're unquestionably one of the best all time at your position. What did you do differently than others? I think um, one of the things that I did different than, than others is really, really looked at. Um, I, I think one of the best things I did was I, I always had someone who was my accountability partner. And I was always able to sit down with them before the season and say, look, this is what I want to do this year. I want to be all pro. I, I want to be defensive player of the year. I want to be the most valuable player in the league. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. And I told them all my goals that I had both on and off the field. And then it was their charge every week to tell me how I was doing. And the most important thing that I did is whatever they did, that the one thing that, that I had to do, they had to be honest with me every week. Uh, for instance, I say, okay, how did I do this week? Mike, you know, you, you, you played okay. You know, you, you made um, seven tackles, um, you know, but, but you, you made too many mistakes and, and you missed two tackles. And so-and-so for this team, had this many tackles. He had an interception. He had a sack. Um, I don't think you're going to be defensive player of the year like that. Hmm. I think you have to come up higher next week. I think you're going to have to do something amazing next week. And then I saw you watching film all through the weekend. I thought you're supposed to have a date night on Friday night with your wife. <laughs> I thought you said you were going to spend more time with your son, Matt that is messing up in school. Now, now, trust me, there were times that I was sitting there that I was fuming at the mouth. I wanted to say, shut up. I, I don't need you. I don't need you to tell me this. I'm, I'm a grown man. But I knew they were right because I was very careful on how, on who I chose to be my accountability partner. And um, that really, really helped me tremendously uh, to make my goals mm. and stay on track. Now, this probably rolls into that. So this is a question from Sean in Nederland, Texas. You've had a number of individuals who have been um, leadership role models for you. Uh, what are two, one or two actionable lessons you've learned from them that you still use every day? Well, you know, first of all, I would say, you know, the, uh, one of the greatest influences in my life uh, and leaders in my life was my mom. Mm -hmm. And... Um, First, just seeing her example of how she worked hard every day to to make 
ends meet to put food on the table and uh, to keep a roof over our heads and uh, to keep me focused. Um, but I, I think more so than anything, um, one of the things that I hear all the time, um, my mom has passed away um, years ago, 2003. Mm. And uh, to this day, I still hear her voice. Um, in in many things, whether it's um, life is not like you think it is. It's easier said than done. Um, many see, but few know. Um, if there's a will, there's a way. Um, those are things that uh, the last one is probably the thing that I hear the most. Uh, if there's a will, there's a way. I don't care what I'm doing. Many people may walk away from it or they may do something that, you know what, I'm going to stand right here. I am going to work my way through it somehow, somehow, some way. Um, this is going to happen. If there is a will, there's a way. Um, and, and I believe that. And that, that's helped me through so many things in my life uh, to be able to work through tough times, difficult times, times that I thought, wow, I don't know. But um, if there is a will, there is a way. Uh, this one was uh, sort of a common one, but uh, uh, people who admire your leadership. So I'll, I'll say this one's from Alvin Kapal in, uh, in Nashville, but from San Francisco. Uh, would you ever want to coach in the NFL again? Absolutely. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, since I've been out of the NFL um, in the past um, four years, um, it is. It has been my my due diligence to prepare uh, to be back as a coach and um, to be a coach as I was a player, um, doing the work, doing the research, um, even as we speak. Um, yes, sir. I, I fully intend to be coaching in the NFL again. Yes. Great. And last question. This one is from Kim in Dallas. Uh, through some research, we found out that uh, at one point, you, you know, you're talking a lot about uh, being there for your wife and family, uh, supposedly that you recorded a song for Kim in Dallas for her 40th birthday, and you've been requested to sing part of that song on this interview. Is that something you're able to do? <laughs> Heck no. I'm not singing. <laughs> so, so, okay, um, we, did, we did, I was, that, I knew that was a long shot. But can you take us through just for you know the husbands out there? Because apparently she was very worried that you might actually be cheating on her. The this you know this uh, this uh, <laughs> light of being a great husband. So can you walk us through that situation and that story of of what you did for your wife's fortieth birthday? Well, I uh, I, I thought. For uh, her 40th birthday, I, I just thought she'd been such a tremendous wife and um, uh, mom and, uh, you know, anybody that puts up with me, um, it's got to be special. <laughs> and and I, I just think that uh, she, um, I, I couldn't think of what can I buy her, what can I do for her, what can I, and I thought, you know what, I can give her something that that's really unusual. And that was a song. And, um, so I found someone to take lessons from and, oh, wow. uh, 
at the same time take, you know, I make the music that would go around the lyrics that, that I made. And, um, so I was practicing, um, music, my, my voice, I found a voice coach, um, that I was practicing with. And while I was trying to get ready to, to make the song. And in the meantime, I'm there practicing. My wife would call and say, did you pick up the kids? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know, you know, um, I'm on my way. I'm just a little bit late. It was like, Oh my goodness. It seemed like every other day, the closer we got to the birthday, the more I was messing up. And, and it was like, uh, wow. I, I was saying, I will, I've never been so frustrated in my life. I, I will never do this again. But um, <laughs> to be able to to get through it, I'm trying to surprise her, and yet I'm making life miserable um, for about uh, maybe a couple of months. Um, but it was it was well worth it because all of her childhood friends were there, uh, her best friends, uh, all of our family was there. Um, I had her favorite food as the menu. Um, I had her favorite music. Uh, everything was about her. And then at the end, of course, um, I, I put the video on of the song that I made for her um, called 20 Years Ago. And it was uh, a pretty, pretty wonderful evening. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. To learn more about today's guest, visit beyondspeak.com. This episode of the Beyond Speaking Podcast, your technical director, producer, and head Steelers fan was me, Eric Woody. Brian Lord was your host and executive producer. Shout out to special consultant Lauren D. of D. & Associates and Robert Borquez for that sweet, sweet intro. If you've listened this far, do me a favor and justify my existence and salary by checking out another episode of the Beyond Speaking Podcast. <laughs>